We are competing in, we are repeating in, we are believing in. It's time for us to shift our mind from best in the world to best for the world. Make decisions intentional, to take decisions intentional, making decisions intentional. Welcome to FIDE, uh, Foundation for Intentional Decision, and today's uh, episode about choice and choices. I'm here today with my colleague um, Jens Rinnelt. Welcome, Jens, and uh, say hello to the audience. Thank you, Stellan. Uh, nice to be here again. Yeah, we have uh, had a lot of interesting uh, dialogues together, you and I. Um, we're now into the sixth program, episode number six. Uh, we started out with a clear intent uh, a couple of weeks ago, and then we moved through uh, both uh, the history of ideas behind, yeah, maybe behind what we're going to talk about today, choice and choices, and uh, the history of ideas um, taking our society from, um, uh, actually from a, 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 a system thinking world, I would guess that's what you could call it today, into a separated dualistic worldview uh, which have developed into only valuing what was so-called the outer world and uh, from that point we went further on and uh, we dug into how can it how can we say it uh, specific ideas on how we can see the world from a non-dualistic point of view mm. we um, uh, explored the tree metaphor, the equal model, all quadrants, all level, which is, a, uh, yeah, we can almost say it's a theory of everything, actually, uh, a way of describing life. And uh, from the tree metaphor, we went into the intentional decisions model, the ID model, so it's uh, also called, uh, which enables us as, uh, as humans to... Uh, to have a choice, it empowers us um, and, and um, um, yeah, en enables the choice uh, as something that is more fundamental than than the dominant Western world worldview. And then we moved into uh, new ideas of uh, of how we can look at uh, at assumptions or truths, if if we rather like. And uh, and then we also elaborated on. On uh, learning loops, we talked about uh, learning in the first loop, which is in the what's. Uh, the second loop, which also embraces the house, and the third loop about um, why's, and then the fourth loop about the root and the fundamental assumptions again. And now we're moving into uh, 
choice and choices, which I believe is uh, extremely interesting. Uh, and for those listeners and viewers who have uh, uh, haven't followed us before, you um, please go into the platforms on on. Uh, uh, the podcast platforms, uh, for instance, Acast, Podcast, and so on, and find the rest of the episodes. And uh, if you're on YouTube, you probably uh, find it in the same place where you're right now. And um, today, again, choices. What is, your, what is your take on choices, Jens? When did you do your first intentional choice? Do you know that? Oh, that's an interesting question. When did I do my first intentional choice? Um, I guess when I, yeah, I think when I had to study or like I, I wished to study better said, uh, I didn't have to, uh, I actually chose to study and I chose where to study. And, um, I think at that point I, I really started following, uh, yeah, for the lack of better word, and in inner voice or like uh inner guidance mm. um i think that was the the point of of uh yeah, making my first intentional decision do you think so i no <laughs> <laughs> on another level i think i have been making choices all my life mm. but maybe they haven't been that conscious that intentional um because I'm think up to a certain point when when you go to to school, uh, at least that was the case in my life. You are, or well, I was expecting. Sorry, I was following some of the expectations that I was put in. Um, that is also an intent. Yeah, but I have. I mean, what I see as as a choice is also being aware of of the opportunities that I have. So okay, so you just... you in, in the in the concept of choice, you also put the concept of knowing that there is a choice. Yeah, that's what I. That's awareness. What, then. what I refer mm -hmm. as making an intentional choice. Okay. Mm -hmm. Because otherwise, that's that's what I'm trying to 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 get to. Is I was just following maybe expectations of society of, of you know what was assumed that you go to school for a certain level at least if you want to go to academia afterwards and they want to study you have to at least in germany where i was raised up have to have at least 13 years of studying uh, and then you can you're qualified so to say to to go to university you're, you're qualified to to make choices yeah. <laughs> maybe i don't know um, mm -hmm. So what I'm trying to say is that at this point, uh, or up to this point, I, I I was just following, going with the flow, so to mm -hmm. say, and and then I really thought about, okay, what do I want to do with my life? I mean, I guess at latest, when you finish high school, uh, you have to ask yourself, what do I want to do? You know, what is job do I want to pursue? What what do I want to mm -hmm. work with? Um, and yeah, for me, it was in the, in the direction of studying management, studying uh, mm. business. Um, I always dreamt of becoming a manager. Uh, I think that that dream okay. is... Okay, then, then, then if it's okay with you, I would like to pause here for a while. Yeah. Because what I'm thinking of now is that, is a dream also a choice? Uh, yeah, you like to go deep directly. Um how can I say this? 
Is it going deep to go into your dreams? Uh, that is another question. Uh, of course, I'm not here to to, to question your quest, uh, your choices in, in any way. But but the interesting thing is that um, at some point we're either in a deterministic worldview or we are in some kind of a intentional worldview. Uh, and who is putting out a, an intent? A lot of people do. Uh, your parents probably they did and and. And uh, the school system itself, it did, and, and uh, I don't know the uh, the headmaster of the school did, and, and uh, all the all the other kids they did, and and of course they are all mixed, all those intents, and at some point you you actually answer, and th this is not questioning your answer again, but the first intentional choice you made was at the age of. Yeah, I guess it's somewhere around twenty. Mm -hmm. But what if then the dreams are intentional? Yeah, and, and this is uh, what I was thinking of, like, uh, I think there are two ways of, at least for me, to look at this. The one way is, what is my dream? And then, uh, yeah, do I choose to follow that dream? Um, and then that's why I meant with going deep, because if you, you can also ask the question, what enables me to have that dream? Like, where's that dream coming from? Or mm. where's that idea coming from? Is this my idea? Is this an idea of that is floating around somewhere that I'm just able to, you know, tap into? Mm. Um, yeah, and, and that is an interesting question for me to, you know, who does this be idea belong to? Um, and do I have then the ability to, to sense the idea? And if I have the dream or the idea... Um, am I, yeah, I can make a choice of do I want this idea to f be true or do I mm. want to follow this path? Um, so what I'm thinking of here is that when we're talking about intentional decisions, we can talk about uh, something that is, uh, we are, are we aware of that there is a choice? That's the first question maybe. Uh, the next question would then be, do I do my choices consciously or unconsciously or even subconsciously? Uh, what is actually taking those decisions in my life? I, I mean, every day we do a lot of decisions. We take decisions, I don't know how many thousand decisions we take every day. Most of them are, are, are more or less habitual. Uh, we do it over and over again and, and it, uh, it doesn't take much, much effort from us, opening a door, uh, taking a step. Some of them are deeply programmed, if deep is now the word, I don't know, but uh, more or less uh, uh, a subconscious way of living the life. And on another level, we can always make a, an, a conscious, aware, and also intentional choice and take an intentional decision. I, I, I believe there are many levels here when talking about the choice. Uh, it's about talking about... Um, possibility of choice is there a choice or not and from that point then choosing mm. uh, on, on on what what framework do i have when i when i prioritize for instance or when i take a choice what do i do uh, a lot of people say yeah maybe we, we're not that rational as, as we like to think <laughs> we are and maybe we go for some kind of a um, I don't know, a f feeling or fear or whatever it is based 
choice, but also it could also be that we're um, making an intuitive choice, um, which I believe is something that we haven't in the Western world, at least not in, in the society I've been raised, valued at all. Uh, and then when we are when we are at the next part, we have let's say we have chosen. Uh, how do I stick with that choice? And and the good thing with choices, I believe, is that you can always take a new one. Uh, so you don't you don't have to be stuck in it. But on the other side, what if I have made a choice? Then I would like to have the effect of it and not doubting it. Was it the right choice or should I take another one? And that because then I lose the power of the choice. Hmm. So there are many ways to look at the choices shall, shall we which one should we start on should we start on on um, seeing choices yeah let's start maybe there mm, some and kind of a possibility realm or something exactly and mm. i think you you described it quite accurately or i would agree to this description is you need to have some kind of awareness of what am i choosing because when i look at at, at making a choice in itself uh there is is this uh dimension of I'm choosing something over something else uh, or I'm choosing something in, in relation to something else so I'm I'm, I'm making yeah, a yeah, yeah. choice between mm. maybe two equal yeah I understand what you, you're looking for right. you're, you're more or less looking for am I choosing red or green or yeah. uh, big or small or whatever it is that means that you have to have some kind of awareness that the, there is a choice that you're actually making but again let's say that most of the choices we do aren't even in, in the in the realm of awareness, um, then then the question would be then, how can we see choices that are not easily seen? How can we do that? How can we do that? That's that's extremely interesting. First of all, uh, you you could say that. Do I have to see to believe, yeah. or or do I have to believe to see? And we raised. In the in the paradigm, which means that you have to see to be able to believe. But when we're talking about choices, I would say it's the other way around. You actually have to believe to be able to see. I'm thinking of uh, actually we did this best for the world uh, live broadcasting, and which was created within two weeks. So there was not a lot we could see from the beginning. Um, but something that I think we both really focused on on very intensely or intentionally in, in, in that time was what is it that we want to create and how much belief do we pay, basically put in that. Uh, trust, even, maybe. Exactly, you know, yeah, trusting in, 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 in something which we can't see. And I used the metaphor of we have to walk on a bridge while building it. And then every step that you're taking, you have to trust that the next step you're taking will be on on an emerging ground, so to say. Mm. So you really walk the bridge while, while building it. Mm. And you have to have trust while taking steps forward. Um, and uh, you also had uh, some, mm. some interesting uh, dialogues about how to, how to deal with uncertainty in, in mm -hmm. the last weeks. Uh, can you elaborate a little yeah, bit? Yeah, I can definitely that? do that. And before I do that, I would say that the, what we're talking about here now as, as, as choice is more or less what is manifesting an idea in, into something, um, something else. Yeah. 
mm. uh, maybe sticking to that choice. And and if we start with the possibility realm or whatever it is, I, I would say before we go into uncertainty, uh, uncertainty, I would say let's start with um, maybe looking at time. Time as a concept, uh, which is um, we believe uh, in the Western world a linear um, chronological time. And that is just one way to look at time. And if you're in a chronological time uh, and connect that to choice, uh, the only thing we can do is to choose in the present moment uh, for the next present moment. Um, and, and this is quite interesting in itself because then the history is limiting us. But that is actually the choices we have made. So if we connect the, those two, then, then we are actually creating some kind of a possibility realm. And this was seen by, um, by people for many thousand years ago. For instance, the, uh, the ancient uh, Egyptians, the old uh, uh, Egyptian, uh, what do you call it? Uh, um, yeah, the, the people who lived maybe 5,000 years ago in, in Egypt, they, they had at least that I, that I know of, at least two uh, times, not only the chronological, it was called Kronos, also the possibility realm called Kairos. And for me, that is more or less connecting those two ideas into one. Uh, and from every point in, in Kronos, there was a, a Kairos. And the interesting thing then would be looking at the present moment, one could say that everything I, all the choices I've made in life have prepared me for this specific moment. And they're also some kind of a definition of myself right now. So they define who I am at this certain moment. But at the same time, I'm also at this certain moment, not longer away from another definition than a choice. So for me, time and choice is, is intervened in a very interesting, yeah, not only philosophical, I would say more practical way. Mm. How can I use this in, in my day-to-day -day life, this, this knowledge about a, a possibility realm? Yeah, and, and I think, as you, as you said, if you have this chronological time, you're actually limited because somehow the, the past predicts the future. Um, but if you... Think about, for example, um, personal development, um, inner child work, shadow work. You actually take the present moment and go back into uh, memories from your, from your early childhood and change the story that you're attached to. Change, basically, the interpretation that you make out of a certain experience or situation that you have been in. So, and you change the past, so to say, in the current moment. And that influences, again, how you might go further in, in the future. So mm. everything is kind of co-created mm. in the present moment. Yeah, I like this. I love this. And, and uh, talking then about choice, that is also how I choose to look at my history. Uh, do I look at the history or the choices I've already made uh, with uh, anger or frustration or uh, guilt or... or uh, whatever that feeling could be, or do I look at them with um, uh, gratefulness and, and uh, embracing with love uh, every, every part of my previous versions of myself? And this will, a lot of studies have actually uh, shown that 
showing gratefulness to what have been. Um, embracing that will also bring joy in the future. So um, this is things we know, but we don't have we haven't found in the Western world so far, I guess, uh, ways of how should I say internalize it into the thought models we have. But this is where the, this interesting thing with the choice connecting to intentional decision comes. Because uh, for you who have followed this episode, those programs in this uh, FIDA uh, series, uh, have heard about the intentional decision model and what it enables us to do. And for me, it's actually connecting a new theory of causality with a new theory of choice. That's how I, I look at it. And... and uh, that is interesting in itself. And then we can move into the idea of uncertainty, for instance, which is in the predominant Western worldview seen as something that is bad. As soon as uncertainty comes into the room, you get frightened, you you lose your your stability, you lose your your path, you lose your ability to, to find paths, you, you lose almost everything. But what really happens is that what uncertainty really brings into the room is a possibility realm, a potential of uh, a, a new new choices, a potential of new choices. Yeah, I mean, I can only agree. It's like um, I think what what we normally think of when when we look at uncertainty is like there's an empty field, and we don't know how what to do with this because all the previously established rules, norms, guidances, orientations to yeah, give us a direction or you know to, to at least uh, guide us in, in, in some way, they are just falling apart. Uh, and I can take it actually back to my example when I uh, finished studying, for the first time in my life, I didn't have any kind of environment around me that was telling me, like, what is the next step? It was always like, at least in the last semesters, for half a year, it was clear, like, okay, when do I write my next thesis? When do I write my next exams? You know, when do I have, have which classes next week? Uh, so there was always kind of a plan on, on what to do next. And once I graduated, all of this basically fell away. And I was standing on this empty field looking at, okay, so what job do I get now? Plus the, my studies were not preparing me for a specific role. So I had to basically, you know, find that role or think about like, what do I wanted to do or where do I wanted to bring in my knowledge now or create this role. Um, but as you say, it's in, in, in some moment it is can be frightening to, to come from that perspective and then look at an open space. Mm -hmm. But again, it also is where it's everything home, yeah. it holds the up. yeah the holds the uh, all the possibilities and, and the potential. And uh, looking at uncertainty and change, I would say if we are able to to look at the accelerating change curve as a possibility curve, uh, we have everything to gain and and, and very little to lose. Uh, of course, we can we we will always have to leave something from a, that is on a low, lower level to, to be able to reach a, some kind of higher level of, of it uh, and um, yeah I, I, be, I believe that choosing is maybe both the most difficult thing you can do but also the, the easiest thing you can do 
at the same time, every choice again is defining you in this present moment, but it's not much longer from another choice. You can the good thing about choice is you, you can you can rechoose <laughs> whatever it's called. You can, you can make another choice and and um, so um, and 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 again, of course, if you if you take a choice on on a lower level, that will probably I mean that's quite high level if you say say what do you want to work with. But what if we raise it a level uh, to a higher level and say, what life do you want to live? At some, at some, at some level, that is maybe a more tricky question to give some answers to. But on another level, it's much easier because it's it, it doesn't define all other aspects, but it both. This is again interesting because it's having such a frame to your life. What life do I want to live? both enables ways and takes away ways of living. Hmm. What I'm thinking of is also if you are very specific on, on what do you want to achieve, like exactly what life do you want to live and, and you already picture it very clearly, I think it can be limiting in, in a way also that, that you're... I mean, everything can be limiting and, and, and opening up, but I mean, it. what I want to get at is like, is this already then predetermining what choices to make or how do you orient yourself in, in any kind of situation and knowing that whatever choice I make here, this is guiding me into the direction that I envision. Mm. Yeah, I like that. Um, I was also thinking about, is there always a choice? Um, the ID model uh, stipulates that it's a fundamental assumption for the intentional decision model that there is always a choice and then we have to be clear what we mean with a choice. It's not that something that I'm aware of always. It could be something that is hidden in a habit or in a paradigm or in a truth or in a fundamental assumption. It could be hidden anywhere. Uh, it could be both subconscious, um, habitual and, and unconscious. Um, but if we at some level hold that maxim true, that there is always a choice, I don't say exactly now, but approximately that there is always a choice, that implies something that is quite fundamental to the world as we know it. And if that is at some level is true, it suggests or even implies that not only is material fundamental but also consciousness which means then that there is some entity at some level again uh, which we haven't described yet in, in the western world um, we can call it consciousness for a while we don't know how it works exactly because we haven't looked into it we haven't studied and and will probably when people hear this they will say yes we have we have we have uh, uh, disciplines in 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 the in the science studying consciousness and then i would say uh, yes uh, at some level we have but up to quite recently uh, it was limited to to brain um, study uh, brain uh, science of brains brains and and uh, we were told more or less that Consciousness was something that was located in, in, in the head and which was uh, the brain was the center of it. Today we know that that's not fully true. 
uh, even if we're still in the body, uh, we can say that consciousness is also now found because we have found neurons in, in the heart and in, 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 the, in the, what do you call it? Uh, stomach. Stomach, yeah. So that is already at that point uh, suggesting that consciousness is not locally uh, found in the brain but more in in a in a broader broader perspective and and still we again if we go for the maxim that what we see is what there is uh, and we say that materia is, is the only fundamental uh, funda fundamental parts of of, um, of the world then we can't see what consciousness really could be for us what it really could add in, into our lives, into our society, into the uh, the beauty of the world, um, we have reduced it to to only the physical matter. Yeah, and I mean, <clears throat> there's a valid argument in that because if you cut open the the body, you will probably not find consciousness. So, but it's still at the same time we are accepting that we have a self-identity, what you referred to earlier, that all the choices I have made so far, they give me an image of myself, that I, you know, it's basically just a, an image of how I see myself. It's not a physical uh, existence. Mm -hmm. But th this is actually contradicting itself, because if we have the worldview only saying that what we see is what there is, how do you then describe yourself? What is you? I mean, if I if I raise my hand, I say, "This is my hand. Uh, here it is." Where where is like then I've separated myself from from the body again. So that's at the same time, what happened if I don't separate? Then I am the body and consciousness in it in 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 the same in the same uh, sentence. Hmm. That is quite interesting in itself because at some some point we have we say that uh, the only thing that exists is uh, what we see uh, and again i'm talking about parts of myself as not being me <laughs> my hand who is owning the hand i am <laughs> who is who, who are you <laughs> i don't know <laughs> do i even exist so this is uh, this is interesting so there are contradictions that are at uh, at uh, really easy to see and that we haven't seen this is a contradiction i would say is is very uh, very easy to find we even uh, we even believe more in someone telling us how we feel than feeling by ourselves hmm. if, if i if i have some kind of a problem i go to a doctor and, and i ask them uh, how do i feel <laughs> instead of um, asking myself how do i feel yeah, and I think it's it's so interesting that that we accept these kind of physical developments, and 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 you know we believe that we as people have to grow, and then up to a certain age we grow in our bodies, um, and then we grow perhaps in in different ways. And then uh, what I'm trying to say is like in in some way we accept that there's a physical growth or physical development that we accept. But then there are also more mental concepts of like, yeah, we go through uh, childhood, we go through adulthood, uh, we go to puberty. 
but where is exactly the the you know border of of that uh, development you can't really tell so what i'm trying to say is like these are more mental concepts that we used to describe and to some degree he has accepted that um and speaking of consciousness because that is something i would describe as as totally metaphysical it seems like we we from the beginning we don't even allow a discussion about it might there be a, a evolution or a development in consciousness um, because as you said this has it's very difficult to study actually it's very difficult to grasp as from a, at least from mm -hmm. a perspective of if you only can measure yeah if you only you can, can measure see. yeah yeah then then you have a problem um if that is the only tool you have um, um i don't know a ruler um, uh, a clock um, measuring times in in uh, and measuring spaces <clears throat> then of course there will be a problem yeah, and i think that's <coughs> sorry <coughs> that's yeah. that's what <coughs> i think is where where i see in 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 the western world we have really difficulties to to talk about these uh, inner development so to say mm. uh, consciousness development um, it is kind of ruled out from the beginning but mm. without any really reasoning no there is no maybe no good reason at all and and we in in i guess it was in in the uh, episode number one uh, i guess when we talked about the history of ideas connected to to choice and and uh, to uh, worldviews and so on uh, we also realized that the world view uh, in the Western world based upon the inner and outer world, uh, the Descartian dualism, um, was not only um, some kind of... I mean, we, we came to the conclusion that we have mistaken an inner subjective idea to become an, <laughs> an outer, and this is so funny, outer uh, objective uh, reality. Uh, or truth, which is uh, in itself quite interesting. <laughs> how how come that we have uh, come to the point in believing, actually, uh, in some kind of a it's a belief system that that but but we don't see it as a belief system. We, we see it as a truth. So we have mistaken this inner subjective idea to, of measuring as something that is an outer objective reality, which also means that there are a lot of new, both new ideas and, and, and ancient ideas on how to talk about inner development. If inner is now the world word, um, we can talk about conscious development. I like that. Um, and uh, evolution of consciousness. And um, that also raises again of course, the questions of what is consciousness, and to be able to do it, we have to believe that there is something. Otherwise, we can't study it. So that's that's <laughs> again, do we have to uh, to see to uh, to be able to believe, or or do we have to believe to be able to see? And I would say, believing in consciousness is, is for me, it's not hard at all because I believe. Again, belief is is probably uh, fundamental in this uh, sense. I believe that there is um, consciousness. That is fundamental at the same level as as material, and this all comes from from the fundamental assumption that there is always a choice. 
which then leads to some kind of a, an alternative way of thinking about inner and outer. You spoke about metaphysical and physical, uh, which is a good way, I guess, to describe the consciousness and, and the material. Uh, and then we can use the inner and outer definition to another uh, to another realm or another uh, way of thinking. And that would be the inner world as something that is dynamic and the outer world to something that is static. And we talked about this in the in the first episode. So if you if some of you listen now and want to dig a little bit deeper into it, uh, please visit that uh, episode. Uh, what then comes out is actually from intentional decisions, uh, the intentional decision model language. What we have then is first, um, we can call it the face, I don't know what to call it, but uh, first step would be having a possibility of choice, seeing that there are choices and maximize them more or less you want again as you said if you don't believe that there are any choices then you have a problem in itself uh, so if you see only one or even zero choices you don't believe that there is a choice hmm. so and you I have to believe that there is a choice <laughs> maybe choices to have one yeah and i think the the dynamic between physical and metaphysical is is if i take a you know a physical pen then i only have it is only one pen, you know, it's one physical object. But if I take now a metaphysical perspective, I can put myself around the pen and look at it from different angles from, and soon it becomes something else, you know, it becomes something I can use, uh, I don't know, to uh, whatever I can do with the pen besides writing with it. Mm. Uh, so there is a way of, you know, using your fantasy, your metaphysical perspective to look at a physical object mm. and, and, and mm. look at it from different angles um, and that is yeah. what I'm trying to get is, is is what you're saying is like how can I see more mm. opportunities and you can also say that at some level you could say that uh, everything is a fantasy and, and, and on another uh, way to put it is that nothing is a fantasy because as soon as you put in um, a new perspective, a new perception of this pen, it's part of the pen. So um, what it can't be measured, for instance, is the feeling of holding a pen, or the feeling of writing a book with this pen, or the feeling of writing a bestseller with this pen. And what we are suggesting here, in, in is for you who are listening or, or viewing this uh, episode, is that not only is there a pen, but there is also an idea about it. And, and the idea about that pen is also the pen. Hmm. And I think speaking about consciousness development, yeah, as, as, as undefined or loosely defined it actually is, I think with a higher level of consciousness, you are able to see more opportunities. More ideas. More ideas, mm. exactly. That's a good way to talk about it. Uh, what if, um, what if um, the pen would be red instead of, in this case, blue? What if that pen would be given to someone who writes a poem? 
So, um, yeah, you could actually find a story about the pen. And that story is also the pen. And the interesting thing here is that this is, again, so easy to see if you, if you embrace it a little bit. You don't have to be uh, deep into any uh, um, philosophical uh, questions or stuff like that. It's quite easy to see that for some persons, the pen is nothing more than a pen. For someone else, it's the freedom of speech. Hmm. And it's even called the pen club, I guess, the, the club of, of the pens. <laughs> Isn't it the, the, the freedom of speech club? It's called the pen club, I guess. It's the journalist club for, for, for uh, defending the free speech of the word of the free. Yeah. So what in, within this lies everything. There's a whole story and narrative around it that that is actually much more powerful in in some way than just the tool to write something. The pen, the pen itself, can actually save a person's life. So why am I saying this? Because as soon as you've heard this, I'm going to say in, in just a, a minute or, or something, a half a minute, is when you've heard it. You can't unhear it. So, for instance, if you get something stuck in your throat, which means you can't breathe, and you can't get it out, and people come trying to Heimlich maneuver you or whatever they do, uh, and they don't get it out of the throat, there is one more way to do to actually survive, and and that is if someone picks up a pen and and puts the pen right into your um, what do you call this? Uh, the, the, the mm -hmm. yeah, the throat, whatever. It's not not throat. What's it's called? I'm lacking the English word as well. Yeah. And don't try that at home. No, don't try that at <laughs> home. But again, this could actually save someone's life if you know this. And now that you heard it, you can't unhear it. So you will always know that a pen can save a person's life. That's interesting in itself. Mm. A pen could also be used for many things to just to, to, to um, for instance, we have already talked about uh, writing a bestseller or a poem or a beautiful song or whatever it is. And it's also the freedom of speech for someone. Uh, it could also be seen as the way of finding uh, perception as perspectives. So if you listen now or you're looking at this uh, program, uh, please pick up a pen. Hold it between your your thumb and your two uh, your, or your and your um, what do you call this finger? Index finger. Index finger uh, between your thumb and, and index finger on the middle of the pen, and you hold it uh, a little bit downwards, so on, like in in, um, in height of your stomach, and you look at it from above, and then you start doing circles with it, uh, circles um, uh, clockwise. Mm -hmm. So you, when you look at this from above. Um, you see the pen, you can do this, Jens, at the same time as me. Take the other pen and, and uh, clockwise. Okay, so now we have like a clockwise circle going on, just going on with a circle. And as you circle this pen, you move it upwards, 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 high up, pausing your breast, pausing your head, and you, you, you continue to do this all the way up until it's up over your head over your head and then you look at the look at it okay so what is the direction now 
this is spooky. Counterclockwise. Again, you can try it again. Start from here, down here. Yeah, I know, this is odd. <laughs> <laughs> so if you listen on I this... I have to do it again. You have to do it again to leave it. it. Yeah, this is so and odd. And I've seen yeah. it, but I still mm. don't believe it. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> You've seen it, still don't believe it. Okay, so once more. Uh, so everyone that listens and, and uh, looks at the YouTube clip now or, or listen to, to the podcast. What you do is you take a pen, you hold it between your thumb and your index finger on the middle of the pen. Uh, oh. You put it... Um, um, perpendicular yeah, to, to yourself and, and you look at it from above and then you start doing circles with it and the circles are going clockwise and when you have this circling you do like more or less a spiral so you go upwards 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 the same don't change anything and you put it up above your head and when you now look at it what is the direction the clock has changed yeah <laughs> the time is going backwards. So easily done and so Could spooky. Could this really be true? Could this really be true? I try love it. Try it at home. Try, try this one. You should exactly. definitely try it at home. Uh, fantastic, yeah. So, the metaphysical and the physical world are connected in some way. Um, as soon as you realize that, you also realize that a description only giving you the physical world uh, is a limited dis uh, description. It, it only holds um, causality within that realm. That means as long as you only believe what you see, you can only find causality in that realm, which is, from my point of view, an extremely limited worldview. And I just had an experience, I mean, before you showed me this uh, <laughs> fantastic experiment. Um, when you were talking about what else you can do with the pen, mm. I had this, this clear image of, of what are you going to say in my head already, even though you didn't say what you're going to say. So the, my question is here, how is this even possible? Because what? you have to have the image of mm. what are you going to say, what you can do with the pen, it already was very visual in my head mm. and I could see what you're going to say next. Mm. So how is this even possible? That's my question because I, we didn't communicate before. We, d we don't know what... How do you know that? And, and, and we, what I mean, worldview didn't we communicate? Yeah, I mean, I said mm. we didn't in the use physical, language. In the physical exactly. worldview, we didn't communicate. Uh, that doesn't say that we didn't communicate. Yeah, I mean, and you, of course you can ask, say to yourself, okay, maybe I'm, you know, I have seen this example before, so I kind of connected the dots and, and everything that you're going to say was leading yeah, that, to that this. That is one description. You know, I have experienced maybe mm, on this, yeah. or I've seen some somebody you doing have something I don't know. before. Yeah. I, again, uh, this is something uh, we in the Western world don't know much about. I, I wouldn't say this is like this or this is like that. But what I can say is that uh, limiting ourselves to one description, which is more or less uh, analytical, rational um, way of thinking, is not only limiting ourselves, it's limiting life. And what then happens is that uh, if there is any other communication than the physical communication, then that probably that kind of communication don't see time and space as we see it. 
when you and I sit here, we, we believe, uh, you and I, that we are uh, quite close, right? We have a half a meter or maybe a meter at maximum between us. We believe that that is a space. Is that closer or uh, far away? For me, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, but but a physical distance, that, that's maybe quite close. Okay. So even if we're into physical measuring, we say quite close. Okay. So if you would have been in, say, um, Australia now, would that be far away or would that be close? Yeah, I mean, physically, it would be more far away. Okay. So as I am a mathematician and a, physis a physicist from, from start, I... I say it's approximately the same. In terms of the size of a human being being like one meter approximately, when you talk about approximate uh, things, you, you could do a quite an easy uh, approximation. You, do, you say that uh, you go into a, a 10 potency. If you, for instance, if you say I'm higher than one decimeter, but lower than 10 meters. That means I'm approximately one meter height. Okay, so what is my width? <laughs> okay, more than one decimeter and less than 10 meters, approximately one. So approximately one times one times one, that's approximately the size of a human. How much do I weigh? Do I weigh 10 kilos? No. Uh, do I weigh a thousand? No. I weigh approximately 100. So in that size, I believe that, uh, as that kind of a human, I have a sense of, uh, close is uh, less than one meter and, and far away is on the other side of the planet. But if you go into a, a cosm a universal um, time and, and, and length scale, I would say it's approximately the same. It differs a couple of, uh, of uh, pot pot potencies, what do you call it? Poten potencies. Potencies. But not much. No. And I think we have all experienced something like this. Uh, an example from actually our work is um, when we had uh, decided to write a report, uh, a white paper actually, then we haven't been in the same room to write it. But we connected uh, through technological possibilities. And while we were in the same document writing together, I think we both felt that we were quite close, quite connected, quite, you know, dealing with the, focusing on the same issue uh, and thereby having a very mental closeness hmm. um, instead of, yeah, I guess it would have been different if, if everybody, if we both would have decided to, to, you write a page, I write a page at different times. Uh, hmm. um, so what I'm trying to say is like, we really experienced and ask yourself if if you have experienced something like this when you tap into a into a space where you really feel connected with people really feel like uh, you're speaking about the the same language without even talking to each other mm. so when we talk about choice and choices uh, and what is possible or not i would suggest um, that person who thinks about do i have a choice or not can i go one one step behind that choice what is the assumption that creates that realm of, of possibilities that I, I want to have? For instance, if I, 
uh, let's say, uh, if I believe that that this distance we have between us is a, a short distance and, and a distance to the, the other side of the of the planet is a, a long distance, uh, then it's limiting me uh, in many ways. Of course, if I'm going to visit you in Australia, I would probably only be able to go there maybe once every 10th year. And if, if we sit half a meter from each other, I can hug you uh, as long as I want, <laughs> more or less. Uh, so, but realizing that maybe that distance is approximately the same gives new opportunities to, to think of, of, uh, of a person, um, of, a rela uh, of a relation. And uh, can I get used to another way of thinking? that opens up more choices. Can I get used to another way of thinking that opens up new ways of choices? I think this is quite crucial in, 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 in um, having a choice. Can I find ways that I can, I don't know what the right words here, but exercise my ability or my capability in seeing opportunities or seeing choices or seeing new ways forward. Hmm. So when, when someone says stop, I say, where, where do I now go? Do we have an example of, of how to practice it or, you know, how, how to, to train that ability? Mm -hmm. First of all, I guess uh, you have to train your, your language. How do I express things? The language is what is putting out the ideas in, 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 and manifesting them. Um, how can I use... How should I say? Um, how can I use... Concepts that are already present, that are already there. For instance, time. We can use that concept of time and see how that makes things possible. For instance, if something you find interesting uh, to do, uh, and I say, okay, let's do this in one day, whatever it is, make, setting up a live broadcast. Two weeks, maybe I say, <laughs> I don't know. Okay, never mind. But the interesting thing is that for some people, that time limit is too short. So they say, no, it's not possible because it's, we don't have the time for that. It's too, uh, it's too uh, close uh, in time. We, we don't have that time. Okay. And then the question would be, what happens if I take this concept of time and stretch it a little bit? I say, okay, let's say four weeks then. Would that be possible? Uh, maybe you say, maybe, yeah, maybe four weeks yeah, it could, it could maybe be done in four weeks. Okay, then I say six weeks. Yeah, then it could easily be done. So time is a, an interesting phenomena. When you think about time, you can use the, the dimension of time to make something possible. And then you have to be a little bit cautious so you don't put it too far away because then it's not possible again <laughs> because it's too far away. No, we can't say anything about that. So that's too far away. <laughs> you hear people say this all the time. Yeah. They, you hear them saying, no, I don't have the time. That is when it comes close to them. And then it's, if it's too far, uh, you hear them people say, um, uh, I can't say anything about that, that's too far away. 
So you have to find a person's or your own, if that person is yourself, um, have to find your own time span where things are possible and maybe see if you can stretch that. You don't have to stretch it much, but what if uh, something that is entirely possible in two weeks and you think as much as you can in two weeks almost equals one week. <laughs> Done. Hmm. I'm thinking of that. I think time is, is a fascinating concept in itself. Um, what I'm thinking of right now is like, I feel like we have been both in a, in a space quite recently where a lot of ideas are coming to, up to us or we are at least seeing a lot of ideas, a lot of, yeah, let's call them ideas. Um, and, and my question here is basically, when is the timing right to, to you know, feel or see that, that an idea can be implemented or, or yeah. Maybe that's my question. Mm. Do you understand what I'm trying mm, to yeah, say? Yeah, I think I, I understand. Because what sometimes you're we have for. an idea, and, and then it really takes a month before something happens. Yeah. Okay. So uh, I would say this is a this is an another connecting to choice. Something I wouldn't say different, but it's another dimension of choice, and that is when is the choice finding its own context. Mm when whatever it is that want to emerge it will emerge i guess um and so the whatever it is that want to emerge is the idea so when the idea wants to emerge it has to have a context for that idea to emerge and the context is something you create are you ready to create the context for this idea maybe you're maybe you're ready for the idea itself but not for the context of it so it's almost like you have to find uh, various dimensions and connecting them. Uh, maybe um, if I take an example, if, if you have an idea of saying, I would like to, um, I don't know, play the piano. I never play the piano. I would like to, to, to play the piano. Then you also, the idea of it is one thing and finding the context to do it. I mean, it, it probably means that you have to be in the possibility realm of pianos for a while. You have to to to, to be there with with uh, with um, melodies and, and and with the harmonies and with the piano itself, feeling it, embracing it. That context uh, will have to meet with the idea, and you have to be willing to have both the idea and the context together. So how long will it take for you to, to learn the piano, to be able to play? Okay, that, that means that you have to have again <laughs> an, an idea on what is uh, being able to play. If you want to be a concert pianist, um, I don't know, 10,000 hours. No, I don't, I don't know. But if you want to play for, for, uh, for house need, uh, like on Christmas and so on, it has to have some kind of a... Um, Context in forms of dedication, but not into. Um, uh, you don't have to to do, only do that. Hmm. No, I understand what you're saying. Mm. You have to find different dimensions, as you said. Are you Are you willing to be a concert pianist? Pianist. 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 Yeah. 
do you want to, to, to be in that context? I wouldn't want to be in that context. I, I have other things I want to explore in life than, than um, playing the piano, but I would like to play the piano. So what I'm hearing from you is that there, there are a lot of dimensions coming together and, and in that way it forms kind of a complex environment or situation where a lot of things have to come together. But one of the aspects is definitely motivation of effort and then also I guess um, trust in the choice, trust maybe. in the process also. like Yeah, trust in the process definitely, but also trust in the choice. So if I decide I want to play the piano then I, at some point I will play the piano or I'm already mm, playing yeah, the piano or maybe you've already played the piano or played yeah mm. so again using time here is interesting because uh, again if we take the concept of time putting it into the choice of playing the piano is playing the piano something that is ahead of you all the time uh, as, as soon as I can play the piano as soon what is as soon as when when i can play the piano when is when then you have to have a lot of uh, energy going into uh, controlling time and most of us don't put that energy into it so maybe you should use a language with it, which is i play the piano it's not for something i'm going to do I, I'm, i'm already doing it and i've already done it maybe yeah that is can i see myself playing the piano That is again a lot related to to vision and then and using your imagination but mm -hmm. also not only using the imagination no, it's again it's not something that is in the future no it's manifesting really... there again we can take the pen we had this fantastic uh, experience with the pen here before um, as soon as we put the idea of the pen uh, at the same level of the physical pen something is happening with the pen mm. Something is happening with the piano. And I'm looking forward to your uh, to your first concert. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I played the saxophone. You played the saxophone. Oh, right. <laughs> That was quite a funny thing. And yeah. There's something else mm. I wanted to, to ask you, because before the show, we, we talked about a lot of ideas. And then I asked you, what? how do you know when when you have a good idea? Or how do you know when an idea is good and and you said said something really interesting what did Do i say you remember um you said that you can feel it in the stomach yeah wherever it is oh yeah in, in the body mm. and then that is interesting to me because it brings me back to or brings us back to making choices of course but also mm. knowing which choices to make and it's mm. they're again different levels maybe or mm. different ways of how you can look at you can look mm. at it from a very rational point yeah, but that's one way to do it rationality mm. has that's what i tried to get at earlier is like if you look at a very straightforward cause and effect relationship mm. then maybe it is limiting no no we don't want oh, uh, hold hold your horses here because uh, if you're talking about uh, causality Uh, in the realm of the physical world, yes. Yes, exactly. But if you broaden the causality, uh, then you will see that there are connections to things that you didn't see before. So I think the causality is always there, but maybe it's wider than you think, or I would say it is wider than you think. Whatever you think, it is wider than you think. 
So whatever worldview you have, I would say the causality is bigger than that worldview. Hmm. That is probably something you, you could show with uh, mathematics, I guess. Yeah, and so what I'm trying to say is that from maybe a rational point of view, it you don't see that connection, but... That's that's right. That's on, right. On yeah. an intuitive mm. level, you maybe mm. are more able to tap into this this space mm. and and feel this connection. Yes. Could could you say like this? If you're talking about rational choice, what if I am? Okay, I'm I'm going to pull something here. See if you if you agree on this. Um, we make choices all the time. Mm. So far, so good. Uh, we make choices. We believe that we are rational in the choice-making. At some level, we know we're not. But then we have made a choice. And then we want it to be so rational. So we re-rationalize it afterwards to be able to say it was rational, which is quite unrational because it, it's, uh, it's, it's like um, uh, having the worst-case scenario of, of the best-case scenario. I mean, the best case scenario is maybe using your intuition. And the worst case scenario is using your intuition, then saying it was a, a, a rational choice. Um, that is crazy, actually. Yeah. A lot of, I think this is quite human or uh, at some level, but also quite Western worldish. Uh, we make choices and we want to have them as rational uh, as possible. So we... Uh, rationalize them afterwards and um, to be honest a lot of choices we do are stupid no and, and i mean they're fantastic. from a rational point of view <laughs> fantastic experiments by dan gilbert who ex exactly explained this dynamic like uh, we, we believe we we chose rationally and mm. then afterwards we justify basically the decision we have made mm. And, and my question here is like, what is so attractive on, on appearing as rational? Because the, okay, I'm, I'm always, I, I was always falling into the, the trap here. <laughs> okay, so I believe, <laughs> instead of saying it is, I believe that this is connected to the limited causality. Because if we are supposed to be rational, because that's the worldview, that we everything is uh, uh, the causality is in in the what and the how uh, realm, um, the, the measurable world, and then we take choices or make choices or whatever we do that are uh, based on other things, feelings, irrationality in itself, um, intuition, um, I don't know, whatever. How can you justify a choice not being rational? Never. Yeah. It has to be rational. Because otherwise it's not a choice. Right? And you don't want to have uh, not doing it. Uh, uh, if, if you're supposed to be a, um, some kind of a rational person, uh, it, the most rational thing is that you make choices, right? Uh, it's quite irrational if you don't do it. So you ha from the rational point of view, you have to make choices and all choices have to be rational. So you're actually stuck in, in, in uh, making uh, rational choices rational. Hmm. 
So in my worldview, that that means that we have to open up to to a wider, more complex uh, causality mm-hmm. uh, that you referred to earlier, but also opening up to to something that might seem, from a rational point of view, as esoteric, as spiritual, because you, mm. the, in my I mean, my simple rational, I think explanation for these kind of things is that you believe in something which you can't see. Uh, yeah, but... I mean, that's I mean, I mean now you know you're raised, raised in, in Germany and in, in the Western world worldview, so that, that is irrational. You can't do that. Exactly. End of story. Uh, and, <laughs> and I still, uh, just did it. Yeah, you just did it, so you're not a little boy. Uh, so the thing here is, I would say, uh, putting those in opposition, that is what the separation of the inner and outer world uh, does to us it sets uh, it in opposition saying what is not rational is as i said not rational <laughs> so so um, you're finding yourself into like a, a booby trap so you 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 can't get out of it you you uh, it explodes in, in in your hands more or less uh, as soon as you try to do something outside the rationality um, it says kaboom and and you um, there are no explanations for it. Uh, how could it be? And uh, and the only thing we can do is try to find a rational way. So again, you si- sitting there on a meter, half a meter away from me, having a, a clear view in yourself, what I'm going to say the next coming minutes or whatever it, I don't know, how, how, how soon before, uh, is by definition not happening. But, but then it is, it still is. So yeah, so um, yeah, it's definitely something that uh, that uh, is part of people's life. And either we go on the map in the Western worldview, the intellectual paradigm, that map is based upon uh, measuring, or we go on the on the reality. We can't say anything else than it's real. So which one do you choose, the map or the reality? I would say let's go for the reality and then maybe find a better map that includes what we experience because otherwise it's not relevant. So maybe we should call it relevant instead of rational. Is it relevant? If you have a feeling, is that that feeling relevant to you? Say a strong feeling that you envision me saying something, is that relevant for you? I guess that depends again on, on what, what... Yeah, but in this is. case, in this I case, the, the specific case we just spoke about, was it relevant for you? Yeah. Hmm? Then it should be part of the map. Yeah, and I hmm. think you, you put it nicely, like, what do we choose in the end? Like, um... There is some kind of, I don't know, entity, where we can call it consciousness, we can call it conscious agent, we can call it whatever we call it. There is something there that needs to be expressed and that needs to be seen or at least believed in to be able to be seen or at least uh, hold as possible to be believed in to be be able to seen. What it is? Yeah, maybe some people during 
evolution of man has found the answer. I don't know. And I mean, we, we stumbled upon the, the issue of language a couple of times already during this program. And in some level, I, I, I believe there's no language for this experience. And, and if we rationalize it too much, we will lose again, you know, the, the quality of, of an experience of, of how do I feel, how do I yeah, experience a situation. Because that is something only you can determine and only I can myself like know how it feels and, and then decide, do I value this? Do I not value this? Is this something I want to experience more? Mm. And how can I do this perhaps? Mm. Yeah, I like that description of... Yeah. Is there anything else we want to add on, on choice and choices that we haven't touched upon here i'm thinking of um i think we already touched upon it but how when we looked at uh, a different way of already looking at inner and outer world of mm -hmm, dynamic mm -hmm. and static yeah and that's the, right uh, yeah I, i see where you're going now mm -hmm. the question is like at what time at what moment or what kind of entity mm -hmm. makes something which is dynamic static and the others on, on from the other side something static to dynamic can it even be fully static we don't know can it be uh, exponential dynamic uh, i don't know um maybe the directions the, uh, that's the interesting thing then if, if we have some kind of a um, dynamic inner world and a static outer world if that's the definition uh, you're referring to we did the the in the Episode one, mm. um, which is an alternative um, alternative definition of, of an inner and outer world. The inner is the uh, dynamic and the outer is the static. That means that at some point it can't be both. But the most interesting thing is the directions of it. Either we go from a lot of dynamics into a less dynamic state or even static state uh, and the other direction then will be from a more or less static state into a more dynamics and even high dynamic state um, yeah I, I would say if we use the terminology we have had with the inner and outer world with dynamic static uh, we more or less have the wave and we have the uh, the the point or the the static of uh, material. I mean, this is the duality we have seen uh, in, for instance, the 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 photon. And the electron and so on and the best way we have uh, in, in the mathematical realm to describe this is uh, the Schrodinger equation if this is really connecting to this I guess but I don't I don't fully say it is because I haven't dug into that that much but I would say it's appealing at least to have such a practical 
description of causality co uh, connected to choice as the ID model, intentional decision model, and at the same time having the possibility at least to reformulate it into a mathematical description that could be used for cosmological reasons. And then I would say quantum mechanics is a, is a good way to to take that step, uh, at least from, from the point we're standing as a world right now. That would mean that um, there is some kind of a possibility realm, we can call that the Schrodinger equation, and there is something that collapses the Schrodinger equation, and the most common um, interpretation of that is the Copenhagen interpretation, saying that consciousness is collapsing the, the, um, the Schrodinger equation. Um, so this is something I would like at least to, to dig into the next coming years, maybe decades. <laughs> we need a new cosmolo cosmology uh, because the, the previous one we have had have reached its limits. Uh, it says that there is an objective observer and from the objective observer uh, we, we can look at any system without interacting with it. But that is having so much limitations within it. So uh, uh, a lot of uh, theoretical physicists today have, um, I wouldn't say abandoned the, the pre previous uh, worldview fully, but are seeking at least new ways forward. One way is, uh, for instance, if you have um, any setup where you have an objective observer and you have a set, uh, a system you're looking at, one way to include uh, this observer is to expand this set or system up to the biggest system as we know, which is the universe. That puts actually the observer into the system and then we shrink it back. That's one way you can mathematically do this to, to be able to get the uh, observer uh, into the system, which leads to uh, a co-creator instead of an objective observer, you're, uh, you're affecting and, and uh, yeah, the system as you look at it. Yeah, and I mean, that's exactly what I was leading to, because also what you're saying is, in my interpretation, that with how you look at the system already creates an interpretation of of the system so already this is the Jens Rinald uh, yeah, the, the Jens Rinald interpretation I love it what I'm saying is you can't separate yourself and no, even by looking it. at mm. the system mm. is is you're already part of the system mm. and and also what do you see in the system is is it first of all I think a choice that you make but also this choice influences what you actually see. The perception creates reality. Mm. Uh, we can easily see this, uh, for instance, if we, if we, we look at um, um, within the, the terminology of sustainability, for instance, uh, we're talking about an environment as it is something else than us. So how come that we look at something and without realizing that it can only be an environment if there is something to which it is an environment, that it's already in the terminology. So you, to be able to 
to see the uh, an environment you will you will have to be part of it but no 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 the environment is something else <laughs> something else uh, not us it's uh, it's something that has to be saved and that's uh, yeah we stumble on our own uh, lack of uh, of um, of uh, i don't know capability to to, to see what can already be seen if you just open your eyes so i mean yeah a lot of things has to be uh, revealed here yeah and i think that is also a way of of us as humans dealing with this huge complexity is to reduce it to in some way be under you know be able to understand it explain it relate mm. to it maybe to, to make it just simpler, but I think in, in, in doing that, we lose a lot of, in the process. We lot of, lose a lot of information, and, 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 and not only information in itself, but also the power of complexity, the inner power of the system. It's lost as we reduce it, and um, maybe not everything should be understood. No, and I'm thinking here of, of the quote from, from Einstein that uh, said that time was just created so not everything happens at the same time. And then if you think about it, that can that it gives me an explanation of, of why we have come up with these kind of concepts to make it a little bit simpler, a little bit easier maybe to understand and relate. But essentially everything is happening at mm. the same time in this moment and it's determined, at least from my interpretation, from the Jens Rinnert interpretation, <laughs> by my choice. <laughs> I love this. Uh, I would say, let's call this a day. Yes, um, I'm also very satisfied with the choices that I made. <laughs> yeah, and uh, the choice we made this evening to, to, uh, to really sit down and have this conversation and dialogue upon choice and choices. What can they make to us and what can we make with them how can we uh, look at every choice we have and enlarge it in some way or um, make it greater and by doing that we're also making ourselves greater and being thankful for for the choices we have made and also the choices to be made um, both saying thank you for yesterday and also thank you for tomorrow and at the same time, we're th actually saying thanks for, for today. And um, by those words, I would say um, thanks for joining us again um, at FIDE. We will be back. And uh, if you want to support us, uh, please share this uh, information or whatever we can call it. Episodes with the uh, ones you love and the ones who need and the ones who, um, who should actually... Um, think of choices in new ways um, that could be yourself so maybe you should go back and look at this, <laughs> this episode or listen to it once more and if you want to support us um, on, a, on another way uh, Patreon is one way uh, please go to patreon.com best for the world and uh, FIDE is, uh, is coming back uh, with new episodes and FIDE is also short for uh, foundation for intentional decision and uh, in latin it means trust so 
have trust, we will be back. Isn't that a good ending? I couldn't yes. have said it better. Hmm? Thank you so much, Stellan, for, for guiding us and exploring together. Yeah, yeah guiding. We're, we're like exploring. <laughs> no one knows what will come. Uh, thank you and um, see you again. Bye. Intentional, making decisions intentional.